Amen. Thank you, Brandon, praise team. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you're here. And uh, I want to invite you to turn back to the book of James. If you have a copy of the scriptures this morning, I hope you do. If you don't, there's some Bibles in front of you, just kind of around. If you tend to look around, there should be an extra copy somewhere. Uh, if you want to pick one of those up and use them today for sure, uh, take it with you if you need a copy uh, at home, we'd love for you to have that. So we don't want anyone to not have um, access to the to the scriptures. Just really want to recognize someone here today. Jerry Pumphrey is here, and um, just really a the gracious hand of God. Jerry was diagnosed with uh, leukemia last year and has gone through um, really just a trial uh, in his life and a bone marrow transplant. And you all have been praying, I know, for Jerry and his family. And Jerry is right back there. Jerry, would you stand with, he's with his brother Harry. Welcome, Jerry, and give God praise. This man is on his feet. And I'm so thankful. We're so grateful to see you, Jerry. And um, really, greet your folks for us in the name of the Lord. Both you and Harry, we're glad you're here. Welcome. Um, Really grateful for all of you just being here this morning and making that commitment, that resolve to be here with your family and uh, under the ministry of the word and just with the fellowship of God's people. It's huge. It's huge, especially in this day. A lot of stuff slipping out there, a lot of things you can be involved in, distracted by. And when you walk in those doors and you're bringing your kids and you're bringing your families and you make your way in here, I, I know that that comes with a lot of effort and you're saying no to some things and we're glad you're here. I'm especially grateful for those of you who bring folks with you. I want to thank Henry Shepard this morning. He's got a trail of dudes that he brought in from his neighborhood this morning. They are in this front row. I want to thank Henry, Hannah for bringing your friends. Your friends are here. Their family are here. If you have reached out to a neighbor or to a friend, someone on your block, and you've invited them to this place, and they've come under the ministry of the word, I want to thank God for you. This is what it's about. We're so thankful, and we give God praise for that. You're all welcome and we're glad that you are here. James is going to get into your life today. I just want you to know that I said at the beginning that this was going to hurt. Remember that first message we talked about, that long needle, that young man came in and kind of put that down into my wrist, and he told me it was going to hurt. He prepared me, and um, James, James is going to get into your life, and in fact, after this time together, you need to know that he's going to go from preaching to meddling, okay? You ever heard that expression? He's, he's going he's gonna to go deep into your life. He's going to start talking about things like your tongue and your words, the things you say. He's going there. Um, he's going to talk about attitudes that you might not even realize you have regarding prejudice and the way we treat people differently based on how they dress or what their address is. Or th- He's going there. He's going there. But this morning, he's going to talk. He's going to set us up for the best opportunity for success. And so I'm going to just read this passage. It's familiar to a lot of you. If you've been in church all your life, which a lot of you have, you've probably heard this passage before. You might even be able to quote it. Um, It might be on one of your t-shirts or on a coffee mug that you use or something. So it's there. But I want you to hear it in the context of this first letter of James. Starting in verse 19 of James chapter 1, the apostle says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. That's where we were last week. 
Um, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. His focus is the ministry, the living, active ministry of the word of God in your life. There's a lot of words out there. There's a lot of messages coming your way, coming into your kind of your purview, into your experience. What James is focused on here is, is one, one expression, and that is revelation, truth that comes from God into your life. Some of that word is already in you. It's already found its way. It's like a seed. It's planted in you, but there's other opportunities, the word that comes into our lives. That's what he's concerned about in this passage. And he says, listen, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man <clears throat> who looks at, uh, at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. You see, that's the change. That's what James is after here. He wants us to acknowledge, number one, that God is ever speaking truth into our lives, primarily through the ministry of his word. And that, 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 that word comes to us in a lot of different ways. It can come from the scriptures itself. It can come from proclamation, from preaching, from teaching, from reading of the word, listening to the word. Um, you, you, you can turn on your radio or log on to the internet and download some of the most magnificent biblical teaching that people have ever experienced in the history of the earth. It comes right at you. I mean, it's just a, it's a unbelievable array of teachers and preachers and expressors of truth. And not only audible, but you can read it. You can go to bookstores and Download things onto your devices and your Kindles and, and hear all of this truth that comes at you. And it's, it's basically free. <laughs> it, it's, it's all accessible to you and to your family. That's what he's talking about. The word is there. God is always speaking. And that word comes to us. His concern is that we be mere listeners of it. And that's where it stops. And there's a self-deception that's in view when we, when we stay there and we only receive it. We, we hear it and listen to it, but we don't act on it. We don't respond to the word. And what James is saying is you are actually participating in a form of self-deception. You are, in a sense, delusional. If all you do is listen to the word over and over and over again and even smile and maybe raise your hand in affirmation and appreciation and, and maybe even talk about it, you know, at lunch with your friends or something, but it, you never act on it. You just listen to it. You don't do it. And James says that's, that's a form of self-deception. Now, I, I think there are various forms of self-deception 
deception. First of all, it's this idea of hearing the word, but believing that that word, though nice and compelling, is surely referring to someone else and not me. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians today live their lives like that with this idea that the rules don't really apply to me. They apply to everyone else. It is a form of self-deception. It's true, it's from God, but I have my life kind of up here, above the fray, above the word in a sense. And the word kind of works for me, on my behalf, when it's comfortable and convenient and fits into my already established pattern. James says that is a form of self-deception. You're actually delusional if you continue in that pattern because all you're doing is hearing the word, but it's not impacting the way you live. That's one form. The second form is this other idea of hearing the word in whatever form it comes to, preaching, teaching, DVD, CD, Um, through the internet or radio or whatever it is, you hear the word and your response goes something like, well, that was for that time, but it doesn't apply to now. That's also a form of self-deception. Well, that, that certainly was applicable and powerful in the day that it was originally delivered, but it certainly cannot transcend time and have any impact or priority in my life today. I mean, things are much more complicated and um, uh, more diluted. They're just a different experience, so that word cannot have its way in that manner in my life, James says, that's self-deception. Because what you're doing is you're hearing the word, you're receiving it, even reading it, and saying, well, that's for them, it's not for me. It's not for us. Final form, of course, is quite simple, and that is just pure disobedience. This is the idea of hearing the word, receiving the word, as it comes to us in whatever form or fashion, and just disregarding it willfully. This was Jonah. The scripture says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, get up, go to Nineveh and preach this message to them. Jonah got up and said, no. And he went the other way. He knew it was from the Lord. (laughs) He knew where that voice had come from. He knew it was authoritative. He simply willfully and categorically decided to go the opposite direction. And listen, let us not look over our glasses and judgmentalism over that because we have done the same. How many Christians, how many believers can look back to a time in their life when the word of the Lord came to you, came to us and said, listen, I need you. I have a claim on your life and I am calling you to serve me, to get up and go there. And we have said, no. I'm going here. It's being a hearer of the word, not a 
doer of the word. James says you're deceived. We deceive ourselves. We think we are justified somehow in this because we've chosen a much more virtuous or maybe even comfortable or uh, um, convenient way to live in response. But what we've done, we're simply deceived. We are living in abject disobedience to the word of the Lord. It's just a form of self-deception. And James has got it square in his focus here in this passage. It just cannot be. It's not even rational to hear something that comes from God and, and to somehow respond to it in any manner other than obedience. And I'm going to do what the word says. That, that's what James is after here. That, that, that's what he's after. And let me just give you a couple of examples and just show you my, what it might look like in somebody's real world, real life. First of all, go over to Matthew chapter 19. Kind of hold your place in James. Go to the left in your New Testament to the Gospel of Matthew. I want you to see this, a couple of stories that might <clears throat> illustrate this. I told you, James is going to kind of get into our lives here. And we're going we're gonna to let some of his colleagues help him. So Matthew chapter 19. Um, Jesus is kind of drilling in to some things regarding um, real life stuff with his disciples. And, and he's, he's going there with people. And so he's, he's dredged up some sentiments, some feelings here. And so here's a story about a man who comes to Jesus kind of on the side. Verse 16 of Matthew 19. Listen to this. Matthew says, Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? What he's asking Jesus for, probably inadvertently, is the word. He's asking Jesus for the word. Jesus is faithful, of course. He says, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, here it is. Obey the commandments. There it is. Obey the word. Which ones? See the, see the deception starting to come in here? Obey the commandments. Well, which ones? I mean, haven't you ever been there? Well, do I have to obey them all? Surely they don't all apply to me. So Jesus starts down the list. He starts with maybe the ones perhaps most familiar. I don't know. He knew this man better than anyone. Maybe he went to something that was more applicable for his life. And Jesus replied, well, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal do not give false testimony, that's lying. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. That's quite a summary of most of the law. So Jesus gives him that list for starters. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? <laughs> Jesus answered, <clears throat> this is word. If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. That's word. When the young man heard this, he was a hearer of the word. He went away sad 
Why? Because he had a lot to sell. You see, in order for this young man to be a doer of the word, he would have had to have sold all his possessions. Now, go over to Acts chapter 2. Keep going to the right now. We're going to do a little Bible survey. It won't hurt you. Go Acts chapter 2. Keep your finger in chains. This is the beginning of the church. This is the, 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 the great narrative that talks about the power of the Holy Spirit as it came down. <clears throat> we called it Pentecost. Um, now all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is fully operational in the lives of these apostles. Peter stands up gives the sermon of his life filled with the Spirit of God. Verse 37, the people heard it and they were cut to the heart. They were moved. They not only heard the word, they were ready to respond. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 to Peter and the other apostles. What shall we do? You see, that's a great response to hearing the word. What do I do? What do I do next? And Peter gives them a response. But what I want you to see is verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. Here are Christians filled with the Holy Spirit now. They are not just hearing the word. They are doing the word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's a ministry of the word. And to fellowship. That's also a ministry of the word. As Brandon pointed out, your opportunity to be a part of small groups is so that you can have the ministry of the word through community through godly, authentic relationships. That's the ministry of the word. And we're going to be celebrating that today and in the weeks to come. The breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Now watch this. All the believers were together and had everything in common and they were selling their possessions and goods. And giving them to everyone or anyone as he had need. Did you see that? They were responding to the word. Same word. Sell your possessions and follow me. Well, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. Well, these people did. And they gave. And every day they kept meeting together in temple courts and they broke bread in their homes. <laughs> their homes were the centerpiece of the ministry of the gospel. And they ate together with gladness and sincerity. See, that's, that's the outflow of obedience praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And watch this, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. These are doers of the word because they're not just hearing it, they're doing it. Filled with the Spirit in response to the word of God, they are, they are devoting themselves to teaching. They are placing their lives under the word. They are hearing the call of God and responding in obedience. They are selling their possessions. They are, they are um, divesting themselves of all of these things in order that they might follow Christ. And then everyone is blessed. There's an outpouring of the Spirit of God. There's gladness and sincerity. 
And people are coming to know the Lord every day because they're doing the word, not just hearing it. Now, just go through that grid of responses. Well, wait a minute. How, I, I can't. What? Most Christians are not selling things. They're buying things. More and more things. <laughs> nicer and nicer things. Bigger and better things. <laughs> These people were selling everything off in response to the word. And look what happened. It's amazing. Luke chapter 18. We'll keep going. Our little survey. Luke chapter 18, starting with verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness, that's that self-deception James is talking about, and looked down on everybody else, <laughs> they're, they're, they're just deceived. Jesus told this parable. Now watch this. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. So one righteous and one considered uh, an abject sinner. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. It's a choice. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. You know, robbers, evildoers, adulterers. Or even like this, <laughs> this tax collector here. You see the scene? <laughs> that's, a, that's a hearer of the word. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but rather beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. That's word. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's also word. One was a hearer. The other was a doer. Now, James gets very specific here and tells us how irrational this is. That's in this next section in James. So go back to James chapter 1, and we'll see what he has to say. James chapter 1. <clears throat> He's going to show us how irrational this response is. Verse 23, he says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says or respond as these have is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Let's be clear. The word of God, the truth of the scriptures as it comes to us is the mirror. And the wonderful thing about a mirror, if it's working correctly and it's not cracked 
cracked or corroded or smudged is that it is a very accurate description of the things I cannot see about myself. Things that would remain otherwise unknown or hidden to me if I did not look in the mirror the same is true of the word of God. And James is saying a person who comes to the word of God or hears the word of God in their life, it's like someone who goes and looks at a mirror and sees something and it registers, but then you walk away and act like you never saw what you saw. Now that's just not even rational. As I look out at you today, it appears... It seems obvious that most of you, at some point in your morning, took a moment to look into the mirror. It's quite obvious to me. That's good, isn't it? (laughs) Now, it would also be rather obvious to most people if you hadn't. We might not say it, but it would be obvious. So why would you look into the mirror and see something out of place or even something quite glorious of yourself? Because by the way, the the mirror of God's word also reminds us that we are image bearers with God Almighty and some people struggle to obey just God's assessment of them, which is they are made in the image of God and they walk away and forget it the next moment. Either way, It doesn't make any sense. This is what James is saying. But the man, the one who looks intently into the perfect law, receives that law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. Ha, that's the one who is blessed. That's where the blessing comes from, like Acts chapter 2, in all that he does. Now, there's a couple of things I want us to see before we close. First of all, James says, verse 25, about this process of looking into the mirror of the word. We need to be intentional. The man or woman who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. We must be intentional about bringing our lives, our attitudes, our thoughts, our minds, all of it intentionally into the mirror of God's word that we can receive truth and see things that we would not otherwise see. In order that we might be transformed, it might be our priorities, it might be our attitudes, it might be our possessions, Whatever it happens to be, if we've never brought it intentionally to the mirror of God's word, we are deceiving ourselves. We have fallen prey to self-deception. So we must be intentional. That means making it a priority. Marshalling all the resources that Christ has given to us in the fellowship of the body of Christ and the power of his spirit Um, in the wonder of his name, in the riches of his word, to make certain that I am not going it alone, that I am not risking so much because I am intentionally looking into the mirror 
and making sure there's not something that needs to be changed or transformed. And then doing something about it. This is, this is intentionality. We're intentional about everything in our lives. Just think about it. You already have your schedule. You already have your routine because you are intentional about it. James is saying, be intentional about looking into the mirror. Just say, listen, Lord, I am not going to have this conversation until I first looked into the mirror. I want to make sure my heart is right. I am not going to, to take this position or to step out into this until I've looked into the mirror and, and, and made certain that there's not something there that I'm not seeing that needs to be altered or checked or changed. I'm not going to make this expense or take on this added responsibility until I've looked into the mirror of your word and made sure that there's not something there that I'm not otherwise seeing that I need to act upon in obedience. That's being intentional. Intentional. The other thing he says is continually we need to be consistent. So many things are easy to start and hard to keep going. This, this, is, this is over the, the long haul of a life, of a marriage, of a relationship, and continues to do this. You develop a discipline, a pattern of bringing your life into the mirror of God's word. There's solidity there. There is, there is reliability there. More than that, there is blessing and favor from God and not forgetting. Don't forget what God says to you. Can I say this? Well, I, I'm not asking because I'm going to say it, but I think because I know myself, some of you are barreling down your road and pretty much everything's okay, feels right, everybody's happy, feels like God's blessing it. But somewhere back here, you heard from the Lord, and you have walked away from it. At some point, you had brought your life to the mirror of God's word. I don't know what it was, and he spoke, and you heard it. you walked away. Just like those Peter that, the people that heard Peter preach and they said, oh, they were cut to the quick. What do we do now? Peter said, repent. You just need to go back. Go back to the word. And do what God asked of you. Do what he says. Maybe you've just forgotten the fresh, compelling word that came to you at that moment. And you took an easier path. We need to continue to do this. Don't forget because that's, that's where the blessing comes. Finally, be obedient. Do what he says. Bring your marriage relationship, if that's what's struggling, to the mirror of God's word. Listen, men, you want to get it right? Don't guess. Don't guess. Don't go by the seat of your pants. We don't need that anymore. Bring your marriage, your relationship with your mate, with your wife, to the mirror of God's word. And when he speaks, 
you do what he says. And you just watch God bring that thing right back into where it was originally designed and he will start blessing. You will start feeling his favor. Your children will come under the light and goodness of that favor and things will start to come back to the way they originally designed to be. But you've got to bring it to the mirror and when you hear it, when you receive it, you need to do what he says. That's what James is saying. Do it. Be intentional, be consistent, and then do it. Be obedient to God's word. He will bless you. He will pour out his favor. He will add to your number. Now, in the first service, I went to this passage because I'll tell you, I was reading it this week, and it just knocked me over, and I thought, you know what? I don't know if we should end with that, but we're going to. Matthew chapter 25. Um, these are the words of Jesus, of course. So it's, this is word. <laughs> it's in red, but just because it's in red in your Bible, it doesn't make it authoritative. It's authoritative because it's from Jesus. He came out of his mouth. If it purple, it'd be authoritative. All right? So <clears throat> this is from the Lord Jesus himself. And he's describing a, an ultimate scenario. All right? So if some of you like to work with ultimatums. Here it is. <laughs> You're going to love this, I think. Verse 31 of Matthew chapter 25. Just imagine this scene. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. Isn't that wonderful? All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate... <clears throat> The people, one from another, as a shepherd, separates the sheep from the goats. So you've got a throng of people, and Jesus is on his throne in all his glory, and he is going to separate people like a shepherd separates sheep from goats because sheeps are worthy, and goats are just, you know, well, they're goats. So here it goes. The king will say to those on his right, that is the sheep, come you who are blessed, there it is, by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink, I was a stranger and you invited me in, are you seeing the force of this? I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Here comes word. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. So you get to be on my right. The ultimate place of blessing. Not because of what you heard on Moody Radio for 40 years. 
at 10 a.m. every morning, but because of what you did when you heard the word. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Nice. Then he will say to those on his left, goats, <laughs> depart from me, you who are cursed.